would like to welcome everybody to this episode of the Beyond the Mask podcast. Now, unfortunately, my co-host could not be here today because he is under the weather, uh, has a nasty little something going on. However, uh, this was one, this this person is, was on our short list of people we wanted to have on the podcast when we first started. And look, he needs no introduction. He's been in a million bands, but everyone knows him probably best as the bassist for Napalm Death. So... I would like to welcome Mr. Shane Embry to the podcast. How are you doing today, sir? I'm pretty good. The sun seems to be shining in England, which is, is a, you know, of course, a rare thing. Um, but yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, uh, it can change by the era, but at the moment, I'm okay. That's you good. <laughs> that, that's good. Hey, so let's do this. I, I want to I talk about something. You were one of the very first guys in grindcore, death metal, any of that stuff I saw that was on stage wearing a non grindcore death metal shirt or anything like that. And I can't remember, were you wearing, did you used to wear a This Mortal Coil shirt or was it a coil shirt on stage? It would be a coil, yeah. coil shirt. Maybe. Um, as, as much as I do like This Mortal Coil shirt, I think uh, I would have liked it, This Mortal Coil shirt. I probably couldn't find one <laughs> in, in Bleaker Bob's in 89 when we just sent it upon on our first American trip. Bleaker Bob's in New York was the, a haven for official and maybe not so official shirts, but uh, <laughs> it, it would be a coil shirt. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's always been a. But that's the thing about Napalm, I suppose, is um, it being known for whatever it, it particularly is, grindcore or whatever. Right. Um, the members were. I, mean, I got to know them before before I joined Napalm, but it came came from very different different back, backgrounds. I mean, Mickey, although was a blast beat drummer was also a big fan prior to that of like psychobilly and stuff like that you know so right everyone came from different areas and like different stuff and it, it, it just we even though we loved metal or whatever I mean, I, um, we also listened to loads of other crazy stuff too you know it's just it was it was all good for us you know so yeah and that's the thing you know i think you know a lot of people they don't understand that you know there's more to life than just metal and, you know, some people just, you know, want to just be metal. But if you're doing that, then there's just so much that you're missing out on. And, I mean, your repertoire of bands that you do show that you are definitely a person that has a very wide range of uh, musical tastes. I think, um, well, yeah, it, it's, and I, well, I think a lot of people do, but some people are, are Maybe not as eclectic as I am, for sure. Um, I, find, I find some of the stuff I tend to be searching at now or listening to is stuff that you know. In the eighties, when I was at school, you know, I was you know I was totally into heavy metal. Of course, my friends were into like Tears for Fears, but now I love Tears for Fears. You know, for example. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, I know the words because I listened to it every fucking day on the radio back in nineteen eighty. So I memorized it all. You know. Um, um, but uh, but growing up, so yeah, yeah, just getting, yeah, missing out maybe. But I mean, yeah, you like what you like, and that's totally fine too. But um, I just feel that uh, I just love listening to different kinds of music. I find it really interesting um, and and soothing and therapeutical. And and of course, you, you through that journey, it becomes connection, and you uh, come across you meet other people who like minded, and, and and things happen because of it. So it's good, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now let's talk about Dark Sky Burial, which is a project you do that I absolutely love, man, because it is, 
I don't know. Would you describe it as ambient noise? I mean, so some of the stuff has beats, but I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely more ambient noise. I would say. Would you agree? It's a mixture. I mean, you can call it ambient noise. I mean, sometimes I sit there when I'm trying to be create, trying to think of like, oh, dark beat electronic, right? No, inspired. There's multitudes of things going on. I mean. I've loved it. I've, Coil, for example, are a massive influence. I've always loved Coil. I've always wanted to do stuff like this for about over 30 years, Sure. I guess. I kind of got sidetracked with Napalm and youth and touring and right. in the band constantly toured. But it just became apparent to me that I've, I just, I, I don't know, I think something happened. I was on tour with Brewer here in 2018, I had my iPad Pro there, and I never really messed around in garage band, so I fucked around with that. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to switch. Where yeah, you can you can say whatever you want, man. Um, and then um, and just started doing the research into stuff uh, into plugins that I'd like to get. I've got some analog since now, but it's because it's it's closely, very closely tied tied to my sort of uh, state of mind that I seem to have been going through the past three or f- three or four years as well, where right. I. I find creating leaps of sound um, really therapeutical to me, and, it, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm in. It's my fourth year of uh, called it's called analysis, I guess. So it's Jungian analysis, which is very geared towards the creator, creative peak personality. So I, I, that's tied to Dark Sky Burial too, in themes and where where I'm sort of trying to uh, go with it. And um, you know, it's uh, I'm sort of working on. Uh, might be the ninth album already. <laughs> so uh, lots of exciting stuff happening for Dark Sky. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, so, yeah, I was going to say, is there any any chance of you doing that stuff live? Have you played it live? Do you plan on playing it live? A couple of years ago in London, we did, um, I can't think what it's called now. There's like a, uh, during the COVID thing or sort of a, a minor break, uh, I did a, did a show with uh, my friend Carl Stokes, who was was the drummer of Cancer. Right. Uh, until recently um but he's also he played he played in the groundhogs and current 93 for a while and strangely enough we started off back we come from the same area we started off in, in, in you know loving heavy metal but we kind of veered off and never have become great friends again after a few years of just still being friends with different apart sure you like it same kind of stuff so we did one cut one show so to speak where there were like five tracks, really extended versions of stuff that was on the first album. Um, but it was a bit of a learning curve for me. I was a little bit nervous about it all. And in the, in the end, I ended up just reciting loads of uh, poetry, of all things, over the sounds. And it, people, there's about 40 people there. It wasn't like, you know, people seem to like it. But it's, it's definitely something I want to do. I've just, I'm going to be releasing a compilation of the first few albums through a label called Consult- Consoling Sounds, which I believe are in, from Belgium. Um, and I'm going to try and, with that, obviously put the stuff out in vinyl and all in all try to, yeah, play play live. It's just kind of, it's a trip for me. And um, being in Napalm and other bands where it's a band, so to speak, trying to process in my head how I'm going to do it live because i don't just want to be someone who stands on stage with a laptop i, I find that kind of boring you know so sure. trying to work out the best way of doing it and of course i'm immensely paranoid you know i may have done like five thousand gigs but i still want it to be okay and 
and, and, and not like this, oh, it was okay, but he just stood there with a laptop kind of thing. Let's fuck that, you know? Yeah. So, no, I, I get that. I mean, honestly, dude, that, that sounds – look, that, that shows how important music still is to you because, like you said, at this point, you've played uh, – thousands upon thousands upon thousands of shows and to get that feeling about that you know that shows that you know music is still you know important to you well i think uh, i'm a dreadful overthinker you know it's like yes um, we all are i think and, and uh you know you can improvise what i like about experimental music is, is the fact you can improvise and you know you may do a show where you play nothing from the albums you might have the great thing, well, <laughs> I tend to layer so many tracks that when we do come to work on some of the albums, Russ, Russell, who works with me on some of them, he'll say, Jesus Christ, you really need 30 tracks? Let's like, whip it down. Because <laughs> that's just great, but this is, you know, this, we're, we're, and they see, you know, we start, so that's good in, 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 the, in the way of like, well, if I do stuff based around those tracks, I can do completely alternate versions, which is something I like. But also, as I said, I, I'd like to do the visual thing, which of course a lot of experimental artists do. But I don't. I, I wanted to not be, just be some static thing. So I'm still processing it in my head, and I do. Well, I do think I care. Um, and so I'm working on it. And the great thing about the the, the compilation album, whatever you want to call it, that will come out in the next few months will be the first. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a vinyl release of the first album, but limited. This will hopefully relaunch. Dark Sky in Europe, I guess, to people who don't really know much about it, because I tend to just put them out digitally, and you know, and I don't really make too much of a fuss about it because it's more about the, the creative therapy, so sure. to speak. Sure. Yeah. Hey, so one big thing when it comes to so when people say your name, people generally think they generally think Napalm, but then you've got such a huge catalog. At, at what point in your life did you realize you wanted to do as much as you could? Because, I mean, obviously, I mean, you the, the list of bands you've been in and recorded with is just, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I, I bust Cam's balls a lot because I think he has 10 or 12 different bands. But, I mean, you've got, holy crap, a bunch of bands out there. So, at what point did you realize that was something you needed to do? I mean, was it that? Was it a need to do or was it a want to do? Um, I think, you know, whether you can bear your soul as much as you want, but I think, and, and you know, joining Napalm finally after being asked and then didn't do it, so to speak, I, was, I kind of, as much as, you know, I felt somewhat under the shadow of other members. I felt a bit self-conscious in a way, I suppose, at first, but then you become more confident making music, and um, it was... Um, just my love of music. It's it's it's. it's you know, people ask the question, why do you need to do another project? You know, why 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 why? And um, a lot of the times, it's, I just like I like a lot of music, and I meet people that are really, you know, you have a connection with you. There's a, sure. a creative spark, and you and there is always that conversation of like, oh, we have to do something together. Sometimes it materializes, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm a great kind of. I like well, I, I like to. I'm a bit of a doer, so if I say something, I, it kind of it'll 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 tick away at my brain until I've done it really. Um, uh, so um, after a while, I did it. It's it, 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 something I really wanted to do to to uh, present different sides to me, uh, 
besides just be doing napalm, <clears throat> which of course is completely valid, but I just like to do other things. But after a while, it's also apparent that it's something I actually need to do as well. You know, it's um, if I'm at home at the moment, I'm taking a break from the current napalm tour. I'm going to rejoin the guys in England for the shows. Um, so, uh, but you know, so, yeah, as much as I love being with my family, if I if I can't get down here and, and and jump on the synths and do some bizarre loops, I start getting irritable. You know, um, sure, I have to, I have to do it. Um, um, and I'm constantly thinking about formulas of records. I tend to do Dark Sky Buried albums in series of fours, thematically, and you know, it's uh, some most people would be like, well, who cares about that? Well, it doesn't really matter. I like it. I like. I get a, it. It reminds me of being a child and. Um, putting my Doctor Who books in order. I don't know, but it's just the same thing. Um, uh, it's a strange uh, thing, really. But um, so yeah, I I, I, I like to uh, make music. It's sex. That simple. You know, it's it, it's it's something I always wanted to do. I mean, I did it in my nan's back garden, my grandma's back garden at the age of five. Used to beat the shit out of the buckets, and you know, one of my friends often tells me that I, I yearn to return to the simplicity of the. The garden of creation, so to speak. That's yes. trying to say. It's yeah. too poetic, but they, you know. Yeah, of course. Hey, so th- there's a there's something right there. Um, so you being, I guess, at this point, well, definitely at this point, being Napalm's longest running member, you know, with the current version, was it or is it strange to see the band out there without you? How did that did that strike you in any kind of way? Um. A few years ago, I didn't. I, there's a tour was sick of it all in municipal waste. I right. couldn't do due to. Uh, I think Trump was in charge at the time, and yeah. my my visa got delayed, and that was a little strange. But more recently, I became a little bit ill through uh, my my own doing. Really, sort of alcohol related and right. stuff, and. Um, uh, so I got, I got I got sick, took a break, and then I sort of took a break again, and really just something. I, I mean, that probably happened to everybody during during COVID, but something certainly happened to me. Um, and, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm still trying to process all that. I, you know, uh, parents passed away, and uh, just all manner of things, really. But um, uh, so yeah, it was. Um, it is a bit weird, you know, and I go through mixed emotions. Um, but the guys have been really, really, really supportive of me, which is nice and and, and, and great. And um, they want to see me sort of get my shit together, I suppose, whatever, in whatever way that may be. <laughs> um, right. And of course, of course, I want that too. Um, um, but um, I have a family as well, and it's 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 not that I feel I neglected them, but especially with, during COVID with the arrival of my son. Um, it's a big responsibility uh, uh, being a parent and something I never imagined when I was younger and here I am now. And I'm just trying to like, trying to work out the best. I kind of want the best of both worlds in a way, possibly, but we, we, and so I'm just trying to work on that. And um, it is a little strange, you know, but um, so these things happen. And I think, you know, I try to, Trying to trying to trying to be in the moment, as they always like to say. Trying to be in the moment and not trying to gaze yeah. towards the future that's not there yet. Because you know, if you look through, I mean, I I I, I, remember I was reading something about uh, like um, Heaven and Hell is one of my favorite Sabbath albums, and of course, oh yes, 
it was never going to be a Sabbath album. I think at one point it became a Sabbath album. Uh, Dio was there, and, and but at the same time, there was, there was, a, there was a, some. Uh, I think I was reading it on social media where Geezer Butler went home to fix marital issues, and I kind of smiled. I was like, "There we go, the fucking, you know, yes. it, it, it happens to every. Of course, we all have these these things that we have to fix, not that we have to fix or work on, and this part of growing older or, or moving yeah. towards the inevitable. Sure. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm veering off as I tend to do. But, um, no, you're good. But, uh, but um, so it is a bit strange, but, I mean, I, I I will be jumping in for the English shows and I will be, you'll see me around. You know, it might not be 100% constant at this particular point whilst I would work out just what the fuck's going on. <laughs> right. No, no, uh, dude, of, of course. And, you know, that's the other thing, you know, I mean, we've talked about that a lot and, you know, we've had a lot of the, you know, older guys. I mean, fuck, we are, we are getting older at this point. Um, you know, at, at some point it's kind of strange because, you know, as we get older, what becomes important to us changes. And I mean, like you, you had your kids at an older age, you know, I, I had my, I, I have an 18 year old now, but I mean, you know, it's, uh, becoming a parent changes everything. It changes your perspective on life. It changes a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think as we get older, it's the same with music. I think at some point, you know, what was important to you at the beginning, you know, with music suddenly kind of starts to shift, you know, when you start looking at, okay, what am I going to, you know, is how many more years do I have left and how much more can I do? You know, what else can I do? You know, do you feel that? Do you feel that drive as you're getting, you know, as you're getting older? Um, I, yeah, you, you know, you, you, you wonder, I wonder really where I kind of, I know what, well, I mean, I've achieved, I've been lucky enough to achieve a lot. Of course. Um, which I'm very grateful for. Right. Uh, the, 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 the need to create music is there still. Right. Um, so, yeah, but of course it's, I think with touring as much as we do, uh, it's how you spend that time. I mean, I was discussing it this morning about like, well, you know, heading out on tour, and when you have those time, those those days of of, of using that time productively as opposed to, you know, inevitably, oh, there's the beer. I have a beer. That's really not very good at my age anymore. Unfortunately. No, no, fortunately, rather. Um, but um, you know, and that's just it because that that's that that's that part of you that wants to just uh, you know think you can fly close to the sun all the time and you can't. And then it's, um, so it's what you do with that time, you know, productively. Um, and also to, you know, be responsible, uh, for you, my children who are, you know, five and 10 years old, they're not very old. And, um, uh, and just me on myself as well, look after myself. Um, but so, um, but yeah, you, uh, there's a lot more that I like, I want to do. And, uh, but also, I think you can you can fine tune your creativity and also open other doors by doing that as well. You yeah. know, um, so it's uh, and also having a bit of patience, which I've never been good at patience, really, to be fair. But it's trying to learn to be a bit more patient, um, and things happen. You know, sometimes uh, in that, with, with you know with you, you trying to force its hand. But um, yeah, I mean. Um, there's a lot more to do. It's just, uh, you just don't know, do you? That's no, the right name. You, you never do. And I mean, the other thing is this, I mean, and you know, 
Cam talks about that a lot on the on the podcast is, you know, he never would have thought that, you know, 40 years ago, you know, when he when, you know, Mantis first started that, you know, he would still be doing this at, you know, 57. You know, I mean, no one. I mean, I'm sure you didn't think that when, you know, when you finally joined Napalm that, you know, almost 40 years later, you'd still be on stage doing Napalm. I mean, you know, that 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 probably wasn't even the first thing in your mind at that point. No, you were you're doing you're playing music. You know, I was wanted to play music, and you, that, that is that this that's the initial spark. It's right, not, it's it's not money motivated. I nope. mean, which which is the thing that does great at me at times. Um, not in well, in many ways because it becomes it can become your living, and it's what of course it is my living. But it fucking pains me to say that sometimes because ultimately I like to create, but. The thing about touring the world, which I've been looking enough to do, is I met all these people I tape traded with, and that was a brilliant right. thing. Yeah, can, can we talk? Can we talk about that real quick? The tape trading thing, because you know that was one of the things you know that when we first started this, we really got into because I was kind of surprised because obviously, I mean, I tape traded too. Cam, you know, and, and Chuck and everybody, you know, and Mantis. That was a big thing. That's how they, be, you know, that's how it first counted, cut them around. But do you remember those first tapes when you first started getting the first demos you started getting when you were tape trading? Because, I mean, I know it's not everybody remembers that stuff, but can you still remember those first tapes you started getting? Um, I have a lot. I have not all of them, but I have a lot upstairs still uh, under the bed. And um, um, because I, 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 I was part of a bank called Warhammer right. back, in, back in the day, um, in the small village that I came from, um, which was, you know, at the time influenced pretty much by Slayer, Bathory, that kind of thing. And um, sure. and then through Metal Forces, uh, I came across me and my friend Mitch Dickinson, who was the guitarist. Two of the guys weren't so bothered with it, with the tape trading thing as such, uh, but me and Mitch Dickinson were. Mitch uncovered Bill Steers' uh, name, and I uncovered Ken Owen, and a couple of other guys who were, they were all part of the same team, pretty much. So we all rode out. We were a little bit greedy. We are like, we'll ride to them all and see what happens. You know? <laughs> exactly, right? And then, of course, we did. And then they came back and they like Bill of they all of the Warhammer thing. We all had a demo tape. So we had actually no rehearsal tapes at the time. And then, of course, uh, because we hadn't got a tape trading list, they were like, well, you know, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, here's my list. And we'd heard of death. And we and, and kind of knew that Mantis were before, but we'd heard of death. Right. We heard of these bands. We didn't know what they sounded like. You know, and uh, so Bill would like send me a C90 cassette or Ken Owen would have. You know various rehearsal types, and you know the um I don't uh, the, you know the, the, there would be the the Ruth is in live tapes, you know. Right. And, uh, I remember one gig well, for some reason they got Death by Chucky for some reason. I remember someone <laughs> shared Death yes. by, and it always cracks me up. And I remember that one, and them, and, and you know these you know, Death by Metal and all these tracks, and it's fucking mind blowing for me. I was like, oh, I finally heard these bands. It's just, yeah, and you kind of. You know, massacre. You know, especially massacre. You know, I mean, you know, I think uh, I'm not sure. I ripped a riff off for Unchallenged Day, but I can't remember which one it was. But there you go. And then <laughs> uh, so that's, that's it in the bag. And fuck it, I don't care. But uh, well, I do care, but I don't care. But uh, it was my my. I was just for massacre. What can I say? And um, but uh, you know, it, you you could see the the you would feverish. You get the tape. You build your you build your tape trading list and. Bit by bit, then you'd meet other connections, and then it's how it started to grow. And it was, 
it was amazing. I, I had, to, had to have every every possessed live tape, even though they played pretty much the same set, just in case they did a song I'd never heard. Of course, know? yeah, sure. And some of they weren't always the best recorded. The Dark Angel rehearsal tapes were always mind blown because oh, yes. the occasional new track, and you'd be like, "Fucking hell!" Now instrumental version of the Burning of Sodom, say no more. And um, there we go. And so you know, this this is all great. And of course, when I met the Napalm guys. I was in the throes of tape trading, and Mickey really got into it. He embraced it, and it was just brilliant. It was all growing, and uh, and um, yeah, you you you'd wait for tapes. It was the best feeling ever. I felt really. Yeah, you know? and we we talked about that. You know that music now is so instantaneous. You know, and I mean, I don't think uh, the kids understand how easy they have it or younger people that, you know, didn't grow up in that time of, you know, sending off your list and, you know, waiting to get those tapes back and not only waiting to get those tapes back, but you were hoping you were going to get good copies of the tapes, right? And you weren't going to get the, you know, you know, 99 cent tape that was just crap. And you're like, oh man, but you know, I mean, you used to have to wait for it. And that's why when it came those tapes, I mean, I still remember, you know, the first time I got the Nihilist demo and you know, that just changed my fucking world. Cause I was like, holy shit, listen to what this is, you know, because in, in Florida, you know, we had that specific sound, but you know, there was nothing coming out of Florida that, sa- that was like, you know, that nihilist stuff, the stuff that started coming out of Sweden. It just, it was that dirty raw sound. And it's just funny that I think all of us, depending on where we were in the world, uh, probably grabbed onto a different, you know, a different sound that was around us. You know what I mean? Because we were hearing that. I mean, you were hearing all the stuff in, you know, Birmingham and all that stuff. And, you know, we weren't hearing any of that. You know, we were just hearing, you know, the Morbid Angel stuff, you know, Amon, you know, and obviously the Mantis and Death and, you know, all that stuff. But it was always the stuff that was coming from farther away that I think got most people the most interested. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you, we, you know, you would gravitate towards that for sure. I mean, um, and certain bands that only became didn't really go beyond the the, the demo uh, right uh, stage became really popular. I, mean, I remember um, a band from LA called uh, before the the band that is now, but they were called Arch Enemy. And um, uh, all I had was Bill Steer loved Arch Enemy. He loved the name. I think Michael Omar actually asked Bill for the permission to use the name Arch Enemy when he formed the band, but I don't know for sure. Um, but uh, this band Arch Enemy were kind of reminding me of a band called Insanity, and um, yes, really, it was death metal. But it was, it was, it was just a little bit faster. It was on the edge. But this, this, it, this Arch Enemy tape was only it was like Attack of the Arcane. You said, no, well, that might have been it, it, that might have been Insanity. I don't know. But um, anyway, the six tracks. There was no vocals, and it was like God, this is fucking amazing. And that's where it stayed forever and ever. And then I remember we played a show in Denver probably 10 years ago, and this guy out of the blue just comes up to me and goes, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I used to be in a band called uh, Arch Enemy. And I'm like, what, the LA one? Fuck me, really? He's oh, yeah, I used to live up the road from um, Jeff Hanneman, and he shared with these pictures of those boys hanging out in 983, and I'm like, God, just imagine that. You know, this is, and I said, well, you know, and that rehearsal, he said he, at the time he was going to send me all these extra tracks, which he never did, but um, I just, you know, but... Uh, to me, if I was to try, I think if I try to tell somebody how fucking important this six-track instrumental rehearsal tape still is to me, and the vibe that, that it created, right? They would probably, you know, I sometimes try to tell my daughter these things, and she just kind of looks at me like, "What the hell am I talking about?" But yes, these were monumental releases to me, and they are on cassette, basically. But, uh, but there you go. Yeah. You know, but 
Did, did you guys have local radio? Did you have any local radio that was playing anything heavy at that time back in the days? Because like we had college radio in, in, in Central Florida. So we had two universities that had like a midnight metal where you got your traditional, you know, uh, British heavy metal and that kind of stuff. But they also would like spin demos like the last 30 minutes. So, you know, you would hear, you know, the, the crazy demo tracks. Do you guys have anything like that? I don't think we did. I mean, there may have been something, but I don't think there was. I mean, we had, you know, we had the rock show on a Friday, which was just, which would deal with like just classic rock and and, and some metal. Right. And of course, John Peel would be the, the yeah. more alternative. And then of course, he embraced, he embraced uh, Napalm, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but no, we, I don't think we really did um, as such. So we'd have to, yeah, we might do with, the, you know, just listening to our tapes ourselves, really. But um, it was, it was the joy. An excitement of uh, getting these tapes in, and of course, once your your list grew, um, the more tapes. I mean, yeah. point, so many cassettes coming through every week. <laughs> it, was, it was it was pretty joyous, really. Yeah, of, of course. Hey, so look, we we've we've been hitting on something lately, uh, and you know, I've been asking everybody that, and this. So here's the thing. So obviously when you first started and you know, the early days of napalm and all that stuff, this music was in a club. Yeah. I mean, it was in garages. It was in people's living rooms. It was in people's basements. Now you have played to huge audiences and you have also played in those small little clubs. Do you have a preference? Because this is my thing and I'm not gatekeeping and you know, people can think what they think, but for me, Death metal and grindcore has always been a kind of music that belongs in a club setting. And you, when you get into something huge, like I've seen, I've seen you in Vakken with Lockup in Napalm, you know, back in, I don't know, was that 2000 or 99, whenever that was now. Um, you, you know, I, I, I've seen that, but for me, it, something gets lost when you play this kind of music in front of that many people. You know what I mean? It's to me, this music was always meant to be in a club kind of environment. Uh, where, where do you see it? Where, where do you enjoy playing it the most? Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, the, 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 the real big, you know, when you're probably younger, I remember we, did, we were touring with the Bitchery on 92, and I think the Entomb was, I remember the time I think we played, well, actually, no, we were the Bitchery for sure, and we played uh, Czech Republic for the first time. There was about eight, 9,000 people there, and that was that was obviously rather big, um, but probably the, the very ceiling of, of something but I, for me, but I, I, I kind of prefer, I sort of prefer the, the four to 500 capacities maybe, and, you know, nothing too big really because uh, sometimes you could, the small ones are great if you can kind of sort of feel semi-comfortable I guess so there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's been some times where it's been kind of hard to, to do your thing but then that kind of is the the sort of beauty about it also usually those gigs it's usually one of our it's usually our sound guys complaining about the PA's not powerful <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then that will wind everybody up. And then, before you know it, you've built up this this kind of prejudice that then the gig turns out to be amazing anyway, because it kind of puts you in touch with your your eighteen year old spirit, which is the which is good, you know, um, uh, and takes you out of that fifty six year old shell. And and you go, oh well, fuck this is crazy, you know. And uh, um, that's where the the chaos comes. And you know, 
that's the beauty of it, really. But um, I'm not a massive fan of the real big festivals for me personally. Um, for Napalm, not so much. Yeah. Uh, because we, uh, I mean, you do them, of course, but uh, you know, we're not we're not the sort of video band, and you know, we're not the, we're not we kind of go on with a very minimal backline, and so, you know, you see people look at it like, is that all you've got? Well, that's kind of what we need, really, because there's the PA. You know, I don't. We don't, we're not manual, we don't need 300 fucking cabs. <laughs> yeah, of course. 99% of them aren't plugged in anyway, but um, which is fine, whatever. You know, I think I get it, what looks cool and stuff, but so I prefer I prefer the, the smaller, the, the smaller, the, the smaller clubs myself, you know, really. Um, as long as it's reasonably semi safe for the crowd because that can get a bit crazy at our gigs, but yeah, I'm not, uh, yeah, I prefer the smaller ones, for yeah. Sure. Hey, so I'm going to throw a couple bands that you've been uh, you've been in, and I just want you know kind of a, a quick kind of answer what you think when you think of them. All right, so your time with Lockup, what did you? What was your experience like with that? That was fun. It was uh, it, it was it was created to try and capture the uh, that spirit of uh, early grindcore death metal. You know where we the first few albums we recorded. Uh, very quickly because we wanted to try and capture a vibe as opposed to overdoing things. But uh, yeah, I mean, the experience is good. I mean, um, I don't know whether we'll do another album ever again, but uh, you know, it, it was, um, it's, uh, it, it was good. It was, it, it was a necessary step in, in whatever evolution I'm trying to go through. It kind of, it, it, it certainly helped me um, kick Napalm up the ass again around the enemy of the music business, you know, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now here's one. So we've had, uh, Mr. Mark grew has been on the podcast, uh, kind of recently, I guess like the last couple of months, which you did a band with him insidious disease. So w- what do you think of when you think of that? Um, well, yeah, that's Mark and, and, and Sven from Demi Borges thing really, but, um, right. uh, uh, again, it was sort of, you know, I'm friends. I've known Mark forever, and I've known Sven reasonably long as well. And it was a case of like, well, it's kind of straight up death metal, and, and you know, I like the idea of uh, being part of that too, um, really. And um, I went over to. I think we did a video during just in the break from COVID. I think on the last album, but yeah, it, 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 again, it's for me. It's 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 a fun fun perspective, and it kind of takes me back, uh, sort of to my roots a little bit, you know. Um, and uh, with Mark especially saying, yeah, he has that sound, you know, in his voice. Um, it's great. It's um, I don't. There's death metal and there's death metal, isn't there? You know, yeah. and and that there is that that, that that that's kind of more rooted towards what I particularly call what I would call death metal. Sure. You know? Have you have you heard the As in Hell stuff? No, I've not actually. No, no, no. Yeah, that's that's Mark's uh, that's Mark's new band with uh, Michael Polson of Fullbeat, and they're doing it's it's straight up death metal, and uh, it's on Metal Blade. Take a listen; you'll be you'll be you'll be kind of surprised. And I got to say, man, Mark is one of those vocals vocalists that you know still sounds as good now as he ever did. You know, I mean, it's it's just awesome. So give it a listen. It's called As in Hell. Um, yeah. I think I'd heard about it. I just haven't checked it out. It's, 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 you know, you, it, usually, I think it's something. Ten minutes later, the thought's gone. For yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that. So then one more, man. Uh, before I let you go, absolute power. Because, I, dude, I stumbled upon that. Didn't realize that this was one of your things. And I was like, holy crap. 
Yeah, well, absolute bear is the thing where um, Simon Effamy, uh, I work with a lot, is the singer. Um, he's also an Napalm Death Sound Engineer. He's right. worked with all manner of – he also is a sound engineer for a, an alternative indie band in England called The Wonder Stuff. So he, he bounces from thing to thing. But, um, yeah, the, uh, we kind of half-joked about a thing called Absolute Pair years and years and years and years ago. And so I got ridiculed about it. But we're, from, we're both from the same area in the Midlands, and we, we wanted to do a heavy metal band, so we did the first album. It took us a long time to get it done. And we're actually – Currently working on the follow-up, finally, um, to that record, which um, we've recorded about ten new tracks, and uh, uh, I did some of the bass last last week, actually. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's I as much as I love, you know, I love all kinds of stuff, but I mean, there's a big part of my heart is is heavy metal, you know, that's where I, that's where, right. I, that's where I come from. You know, the the, the clack, the, those those great tunes from Saxon or Sabbath or Priest. Raven, all these all these amazing bands which I grew up with, and um, me and Simon totally connect with, you know. And uh, you know, it's, uh, it's well, when I used to drink beer, it was me and him would bond quite heavily. <laughs> and we still do now, of course. I just have to have to slip, make sure I don't take the dark the, the dark path. But um, of course. You know, but uh, but no, and the new absolute power is, is coming along pretty well. Uh, I'm trying to twist Bill from Carcass to do some solos for me. I've been trying to nail him for years. He said he will. We'll see. Fingers crossed. I hope so. Um, but it's coming together pretty well, the new album. The new album is, I don't know, it's hard to say if it's going to be better than the first one, but it's moving to it. It's really, uh, we're trying to capture that 80s classic heavy metal vibe to me. It's not power metal. It's not you know, that kind of thing. It's no, it, it, tongue in it, it, but there you go. You yeah, know. I mean, to me, to me, it sounds like very traditional British, you know, heavy metal. I mean, there's, you know, it's, 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 it's not power metal at all. I mean, it's to me, it sounds like traditional British heavy metal, which is just fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of the vibe, you know. And um, so yeah, we've had some fun recording the new stuff. So we're, we're you know, we're we're, we're we're getting along with it. It's, it needs a bit more work yet, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm happy to be involved in that. And uh, Johnny from. Johnny, who plays with Napalm, he's uh, doing the rhythms for us. His guitar sounds pretty, pretty. It's ridiculously heavy. Uh, this uh, new one so far, um, but it's got that itch. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it, it's. I like writing lyrics for that kind of stuff as well because you can really just get into the the fantasy element. But saying that, I've been bringing a little bit of my Jungian kind of uh, influence into some of the some of the songs because I think Dio and people like that would definitely, uh, definitely. Um, we're soul searching, you know, those yes. kind of people. Yes. So, uh, so, do, do you have a preference between, and now I, I know there are people that say, you know, you have to be one or the other. Do you have a preference between Sabbath Ozzy and Sabbath Dio? Because me personally, I'm a Dio person, you know, and that's just me. I have nothing against Ozzy, but to me, you know, heaven and hell, that's just, I mean, when the, when they did the band heaven and hell too, was just absolutely awesome to me. I'm a, I'm a complete geek for Dio. Yeah, I mean, I have to go for Dio. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Sabotage is is my favorite album from Ozzy's period, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, Heaven and Hell, my rules. Heaven and Hell particularly uh, uh, is is my probably my favorite Sabbath album. I connect well. I mean, Geezer's book, Geezer's lyrics were brilliant as well, but I certainly connect with Dio's lyrics a lot more. But I love Heaven and Hell, and when they were Heaven and Hell, as you probably might have known, I did meet Dio. Um, 
I managed to meet him uh, through uh, through a friend of mine. And he told me um, how much he liked napalm, and um, I was still drinking at the time. And uh, and he put his hand on my shoulder and said, "Told me to never give up and to carry on." And I had to sit down and uh, burst into tears. <laughs> it was like, yeah, uh, that's awesome, man. It was just like being touched by God to me personally. My my wife was like cracking up a little bit. I said, "You just, just don't realize that." I've just spent 10 minutes talking to Ryan James Dio here. Fuck me. You know, what the hell? You know? Yeah, of course. You know, because I mean, I guess people don't realize that, that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what your status is, you know, when it comes to meeting. I mean, so my thing is I'm a huge, massive, I mean, Alice Cooper's the reason I'm a singer and Alice Cooper's the reason why I started singing when I saw Alice Cooper on the Muppets in 78. And I, I've said, I've never wanted, I've had the chance and I've never wanted to meet him because I'm scared because I'm afraid that he's not going to be everything I need him to be. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh man. I think I've heard some good, good reports of Alice Cooper there from what yeah. I, I've, I, I mean, I think, I don't think you would be disappointed. I wasn't disappointed with Dio at all. I was just like, Jesus. I mean, I was, um, it was just, it was just really, it was just, uh, it was, it was just great, you know, to, uh, to, to, I've had a chance to meet someone that, you know, as a, as a, as a kid, I kind of, um, well, I'd tell you looked up to, I would never, you know, you, you couldn't, you, if you want to say, oh, by the way, Shane, in 30 years time, you're going to sit down with, with a Roy James Dio. I said, nah, that's not happening. You know, that, that's, you're a joker. I mean, I recently did some li- liner notes for a re-release of a Venom live album um, that's coming out soon, or I may have come out. If it's likewise, if you'd have told me I've been doing liner notes for a Venom album, I would, I would have said no fucking way, you know. Um, really? So it's, yeah, it's amazing what happens in the course of following your heart, I guess. Yeah, yeah. of course. Hey, and so one more thing I want to push and, you know, tell people they need to be on the, they need to go out and find is you wrote a book called Life Question Mark Napalm Death. Um, what inspired you to do that? Because, you know, I mean, writing a book is not exactly a, it's, it's not exactly a, sometimes an easy or fun process. No, I think it was all, um, part of, uh, um, trying to discover who I am. Well, I say who I am, but just discover other hidden elements of me, I suppose. And it, it started. I was asked if I'd like to do something like a book during during the COVID uh, p- pandemic period by my publisher, um, and I thought, well, why not? You know, it seems like I always used to joke about it. You know, I'm saving this for the book. You know, and laugh. And um, but I thought, well, it just seemed that, that it seemed very the timing was 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 needed, and um, uh, a close friend of mine sort of posed the questions and sort of dictated it for me down via word documents, I suppose. But um, we spent lots of hours of me just talking about, um, you know, how, how I got to where I am, and then it, it, it seemed it seemed it seemed necessary for me, really. You know, you sort of question it a little bit. You go, you know, is this is this the totally the right thing to do? But um, you sort of, I feel incredibly lucky. I'm privileged to be where I am, really, and then, um, and when you, but then you look back over 35, 40 years, and where I, where I grew up, and how I how I got into music through my mom and early Slade records, and the the sort of journey you take, and you go, oh wow, kind of an interesting story in some respects, and hopefully people can somebody can read it and go, oh fuck me, Shane did it, I can do it, you know. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And do you ever feel so? Do you ever feel surprised? Are you ever surprised that people are so interested in everything that is you? I mean, because you know you've been doing this for a long time. You've you've got a bunch of bands. You've you've done your your book. Does it ever? Do you ever just kind of look back and go, why do people even care? Do, do, are you surprised that people that you've made such an impact on so many people's lives and music? Um, you, I get surprised. I mean, I, mean, I you know, so I suppose whatever, whatever I am, musician, creative, soul seeker, God knows what. But um, um, yeah, I am surprised. Um, I doubt myself continuously every week. Um, uh, about stuff, and uh, yeah, so I, when people say nice things, I'm extremely flattered. Uh, as part of the process of, of self-belief, I guess, is, is believing yourself uh, a bit more. But um, I don't know. It, 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 um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's it's really flattering and nice when people say that my music's helped them or our music through Napalm has helped them overcome things. And, you know, and so it, 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 but it, also, it ultimately means a lot to me and uh, but at the same time I, I i try to try my best to keep my feet on the ground which um i think is really important really yeah yeah of course and i mean i think look I, I think none of us can take ourselves too seriously i think you know when you look back at it it's you know we should all be lucky to have any impact we had on anybody's lives and you know it's music you know, and to, to think that, you know, there are people actually out there that spend time listening to things that people that we create as humans is just awesome. You know, I mean, and like you said, it, it's I can't imagine, you know, that I would ever be doing anything except music. I'm sure it's the same for you. You know, if, if it wasn't for music, I would have probably, you know, not been around to, to this day, you know, so music plays a huge part in, I think, people's lives. And I think as musicians, you know, it, it's either it's either coming out of us or we're just going to go insane, beating our heads into the wall. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it makes it's it's logical in a in a very illogical world for us to be doing this. And of course, you know, um, I have to remember these things when some of my friends are struggling with their job or something because I don't have I, I couldn't hold down a normal job. I I was burst at the seams. Sure, um, I would and. Um, but they have, but people. Everyday people have to deal with these these things, and working with people perhaps who have to come find that compromise, which is very hard and stressful for people. Um, so sometimes when I'm stressing, I'm going, well, "What are you really stressing about, Shane? You know, you know, it's, this is this is this pales in comparison to whatever example you can think of at that particular time." And um, you know, and through creation, creating music, you can you can it relieves a little bit of whatever the hell's going on for you at that particular point and maybe helping someone else at the same time as well. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, I'm going to wrap this up and say thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It has been awesome talking to you. Uh, I, I really do appreciate it. You've now checked off that block of, uh, you know, one of the original people we really wanted to get on the podcast. And, uh, and I appreciate, I appreciate your time. And I know Cam was very thankful that you said you'd come on and we appreciate it, man. No, no problem. I haven't seen Cam for a long time, you know, and uh, I used to enjoy watching my videos of Cam run across the stage with massive enthusiasm. So, <laughs> leap on stage and do that fucking roar, which only Barn has managed to impersonate. Uh, sorry. There we go. <laughs> well, yeah. 
there you go. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And I know, I know Mr. Lee will definitely appreciate that too. And, uh, on that note, thanks Shane. Uh, you've been awesome, brother. Oh, good mate. No problem. Cheers.